Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. Church, if you remember last week, we left off with Paul praising the church at Corinth for doing right. Now, that's important. And you say, why? Well, they had heard what they call the oral traditions, the teachings. They had heard Paul's teachings, and they actually obeyed him. And you know what Paul does? Paul says, man, I, I praise you for that. I praise you for doing right. And that, the lesson we learned, guys, and we took to heart, I think is so cool. It says, we live in such a negative world. How cool would it be if we were like Paul and that we would praise people for doing right? We would encourage people. Listen, we all mess up. We all make mistakes. But Paul's like, listen, I know this is a messy church. But man, good job. You know what? Thank you for doing that. And Paul does that. Okay? He praises them. He says, thank you for doing right. He encourages them. As Paul is addressing a central issue in the church. If you recall, one of the biggest issues is that they were getting together in church and they were having problems with their worship. You know, you go, wait a minute, wait a minute, what do you mean? Well, guys, think think about it, right? Paul's going to write four chapters on worship gatherings, and the church had some problems when they came to church. Now, wait a minute, Pastor Ben, are you kidding me? You mean the church is supposed to be church? We come in and we say, hey, how are you? God bless you. What do you mean? They're, yeah, no, 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 they're, they're, they have some issues. But before we jump into those issues, we have to talk about and kind of remember what we talked about last week, because because chapter 11 is one chapter. You understand? Kind of, I know he changes direction midstream, but you've got to understand. So I've got to go back a little bit so you get it. You go, what happens? Well, last week, you remember that that there was just this crazy culture in the city of Corinth. And the church basically was ha- what was happening is that the women, he was saying, you need to wear a head covering when you're praying or prophesying. Okay, not not that it's a command from God, not that I'm going to fight you over this. I understand you're free in Jesus, but there's a problem. And so what he says now, listen, he, let me let me just kind of go back a little bit. He says to the church at Corinth in verse four, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covers, dishonors the Lord. So he says, man, listen, if you have your head cover right as you're praying or prophesying, it's, it's a dishonor to the Lord. Okay, so men didn't have that. But he says now to the woman... He says, every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. For that is one and the same as if her head was shaved. He says, man, it's it's a disgrace. It's almost like if your head was shaved. He says, for if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. You go, Pastor, what, what, what happened? Well, we have to do some work. You guys remember, okay? In the previous verse, in this verse, remember the verses, he said, let's talk about a head. What is he talking about? Cause I'm not going to cover my head. Is it just, is it just weird? Like, men, you should pray without your head covering women. If you pray, cover your head. No, here in scripture, head is a type of authority. Okay, it's a top of authority. So he says in marriage relationships, in relationships in general, he says, there's an authority from Christ to the husband, to the men. And we go, amen. Men, we should always be under the authority of Christ. Whatever you do, you should be seeking Jesus before you do it. He's your authority. Well, can I go to, I don't know. I don't know. I better ask the Lord. 
Should we buy a new car? I better ask the Lord. He's our authority. Can I get an amen? Okay? But he also says this. He says, now, from the husband to the wife. So, basically, the authority structure, the order in humility is that a husband is authority over a wife. Now, that does not mean that the husband goes, yeah, see, baby, I'm the head of this castle. You have to do what I say. And when I get home, there better be, there better be a hot meal on the table. Guys, that is the wrong attitude. That is the wrong attitude. Okay, because Paul is clearly pointing out you and I need to have the mind of Christ. We need to have the heart of Christ. And having the mind and the heart of Christ means that we walk in humility. We walk humble. We seek God. We're under his authority. Why? Because he gives us an example. The authority of Christ is the authority of God. There's structure. There's structure. But we also learned something interesting in this church, that it was a cultural freedom, a cultural liberty, but it wasn't taught in all of the other churches. It wasn't taught in Philippi. It wasn't taught in Colossae. It was just here in Corinth. Now, you got to ask why. Why was it taught in Corinth? Remember that the temple of Diana was there at the Acropolis there in Corinth. And a thousand prostitutes would descend upon the city looking for worshipers. In other words, they were looking to solicit men so that they would, well, you paid for sex, and what would happen, guys, is guess what? You paid for sex, and then that would go back into the temple. They were looking for worshipers. Now, the problem that you need to understand why Paul would bring this up, specifically in this culture, is because you had to know who a prostitute was and who wasn't. Okay, there had to be kind of a, 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 a difference. Well, Paul says, now listen, when the prostitutes be descended in Corinth, he said, you could recognize them because they all had either short hair or they would have their head shaven, shorn. And so you knew who a prostitute was. You knew who was worshiping at the temple, Diana. And so Paul says, now, because this is going on Culturally, he says, when you pray or prophesy and, and you don't have a head covering, it's almost like your head is shaved. You're almost, you're almost prostituting yourself to the Lord. Now, the women, the women in the church would go, but Paul, we're free. We're free. We can have short hair. And Paul's going, amen. I'm not questioning your liberty. We're all free in Jesus. But remember, he said, all things are what? Are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. Why? Because think about this, right? Think about this. If you went out to dinner and your wife had short hair because she just likes short I'm just so tired of the hair in them. Oh, I just want short I just can't do anything with it, right? Well, then, then what would you be saying? You would be saying, people might be looking at you going, man, is this your wife or are you out with a prostitute. And so Paul says, now all things are lawful. Amen. Sisters, sisters in the church. Amen. Right? Fix your hair. Make it look nice. Amen. This was a cultural thing. This was a culture. And it's so important. It's so important. Right? Now, what did we equate this to? Well, last week, if you recall, we equated it to the wedding ring. 
the wedding ring. In our culture, when we stand before a pastor or a priest or a judge or whatever, when we pay, when we give vows, we say, okay, I'm going to solicit those vows. I'm going to make sure they're, they're, um, I'll solidify those vows. I'm going to say, by what? I'm going to give a ring. And what does the ring say? What does the ring, tell me what the ring says. The ring says, hey, hey, I'm off the market. Right? She got me, right? What does Beyonce, Beyonce say? If you want it, you should put a ring on it. Yeah, that's what she's saying. She's saying, I'm off the market. Now, if I'm on the market, then I don't have a ring. And you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Because the very first thing a man does when he sees an attractive woman is he looks at her left hand. She's on the market. She's off the market. Who is it? She belongs to somebody? Now, this is a cultural thing. You see, in India, if I were to wear a ring, if I went to India and wear a ring, it's not a sign of I'm off the market. It's a sign that my wife has authority in the home. And so if I get off the plane on a mission trip, I'm putting my ring in my pocket because I'm the king of my castle. It's a joke, guys. Come on. Calm down. Everybody breathe. They're like, oh, I'm going to tell Nathalie. Go ahead, tell her. I ain't afraid. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so... So the ring, the ring. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. Listen, there are people in our culture who choose not to wear a ring but are still married. Can I get an amen? Amen, right? So, so I went to church and pastor said I, was, I should wear a ring. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, check this out. What are you saying when you wear a ring? What are you declaring? You're declaring something by wearing a ring. You're declaring I'm married. You're declaring married, not married. The problem is, guys, is that you can be free not to wear a ring and still, by your actions, being married, declare that you're not married. Did you catch that? You got that? You know what I'm saying? By your, you can go, I, mean, I don't wear a ring, and if I don't wear a ring, guess what? I'm still married. God was there, and he said, you do, and I said, I do. You guys know the story. But I, by my actions could declare on the contrary. I could wear a ring. Help me, help me, church. I could wear a ring and still declare by my actions that I'm not married. You go, Pastor, okay, I get it. What's, what's the point? What's the point? Well, here was our application that we wanted to drive home last week. You ready? By wearing a head covering or not wearing a head covering, by having the short hair, they were declaring something by their action. Were the women in Corinth free? Absolutely. But they were declaring an action by not wearing the head covering. Okay? It wasn't taught in all the churches. They were making a declaration of belief by how they behaved. Ooh, that's deep, guys. Let that sink in. Okay, because here's what we talked about. We asked ourselves a very important question. You go, what was that? We said this, what are we declaring about who God is by the way we act? What are we declaring about God by the way we act? What we do or what we don't do, what are we saying about Jesus by the actions in our life? Guys, that's deep. That's deep, okay? You go, why? Well, I want you to think about this. Our actions, our behaviors, right? Our character, who we are. This is how we behave all the time. Now, again, I'm not saying, I mean, I don't know about y'all, 
But have you ever had a bad day where you, you were just not happy? And some of the stuff that came out of your mouth was not nice. Uh, anybody? Just, just me? Okay, good. Thank you. Y'all left me alone up here. Sister Melissa's like, eh. there are times we do, right? Are there times in our lives when we have to bite our tongue? If I open my mouth, <clears throat> I'm not talking about that, okay? There are times when we stumble. There are times we have bad days. There are times we have a bad hair week. I am talking about what are you characterized by? When people see your life and they hang out with you, they spend time with you, what are you characterized by? What is your behavior? And you say, why, why, why is that important? Here's why. Listen, because our actions are like the wedding ring to Christ. Our actions are like the wedding ring to Christ. Now, let me say this. When you gossip, when you slander somebody else, a sister, a brother, when you talk, when you flirt, when you do or don't do something, what are we declaring by our actions? What are we declaring? When people look at our life, our character, who we are, what is the declaration? Are people going, man, man, because of, because of your life, I'm walking closer to Jesus, man. I've seen you go through some stuff, and man, that's just... Or are they going, wow, you said you're married to Jesus, but I don't see it. You said you're married to Jesus, but you're flirting with the world, man. You're married to Jesus, but there's some, there's some venom coming out of your heart. And that's what he's trying to get to the point. This is where we pulled it. Now, Ben, why do you bring this up? Because that's going to be one of the central focuses that Paul talks about today when he talks about the Lord's Supper. Okay, that's still going to be the central focus. In your mind, chapter 11, guys, chapter 11 is one big continuous thought. And so I wanted to remind you of that central point. What am I declaring to the world by the way I act, by the way I do stuff? You ready? You ready? By the way we pay our bills. What are we saying? I know we all go through some hard times, we struggle, and sometimes we're late on payments. But I'm saying if you deliberately say, no, I'm not going to pay them. I had one person years ago tell me that I got this on credit. I'm not going to pay them. I don't care. You're a believer. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care if it messes up my credit. What are we saying? What are we saying about Jesus, about God, about who he is in our lives, when we take our dog for a walk into the park and we don't pick up after it? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it says... Guys, think about it, though. Every little thing we do reflects not who we are, but who God is. Is your wife closer to Jesus because of you? Or in spite of you? Is your husband, listen to me, is your husband closer to Jesus because of your life? Because they see that. They see that. Is your best friend closer to Jesus because, and you love Jesus, and they see that? 
we're all influenced by somebody, aren't we? We're all influenced by somebody. Let's be that somebody that points people closer to Jesus. And this is what Paul, this is what he's saying. And that's what he's getting at. But some people take the text and they go, well, you see, Paul said, Paul said, I am the authority woman. You said that I am the head of you. You have to do what I say. And Paul's like, nay, 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 you're missing the point. Okay. You're missing the point of people because in verse 11, he says, he says to the church, nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman nor woman independent of man in the Lord. What is he saying? In Christ, we're all equal. Do you understand that? We're all equal. He established a heavenly order and authority in humility. Everybody has to understand that. Because if not, we go, man, listen, listen, I'm the king of the castle. I do what I want to do. She's going to do what I say. I'm the boss. And I just got to give her that look. That's not a man. That's not a godly man. What a godly man says is, listen, the Bible says that I need to submit to my wife and she submits to me. That's key. Why? Because I would be a fool if I didn't submit to Nathalie. She's smart. She's wise. She's got my back. She sees my blind size. And so there are times when I want to do something that I go, hey, what do you think? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, we're going to do it anyway. No, I, I would be a fool not to submit to her. You guys tracking with me? It's so important. Why? Because I don't, I don't want to sit there because Paul says, listen, he says, nevertheless, he says, neither a man, he says, we're, we're not independent. We're both necessary. We're both necessary. We need each other. See, men, we need a helpmate. That's what God created. He created a helpmate. Why would you need help? Because we're dumb. Exactly. We need a helpmate. We need somebody to help us. Right? Have you ever stood there looking for something? You're like, I thought it was here. Right? And your wife comes and goes, no, it's not over here. I put it over here. You're like, oh, sorry. I mean, it's just, there's just so, we need a helpmate. We need a helpmate. We need a helpmate. So we can't be in it. We can't be like, man, I don't need no woman. I don't need a woman to tell me what to do. No, we do. We do. But women... Women, we can't go it alone, can we? I don't need no man. I don't need no man to do this. I don't need no man to help. Listen, you don't need no man to do it. You could do it. Not only are you stronger and intelligent, but you do need a man. Because a man will complete and work with you and walk with you. But you need a godly man. You need a man who loves Jesus more than he loves you. You need a man who's going to push Jesus. You're going to need a man who's going to lay down his life for you. Pastor, you don't understand. I've been hurt before. I know. We all have. You need a man who's going to lay down his life. That's what Paul's saying. He says, be careful. Be careful. The problem is, is that as we get into chapter 11, guess what? Something's not right with Paul. Something's not settling in. Okay? He's been talking about this. He's praising them. He's like, okay, I get this. But now the winds of change are changing, right? Something's happening. Okay? And he changes direction. His thought process, he remembers something he read. And so he says, man, I've got to address something. And you go, what's happening? You know, why is Paul upset now? He praised me in verse 1. Amen? But now he's not going to. What happened? What's the problem? You ready? It's called pot blessings and the Lord's Supper. 
You go, pot blessings? What is that? Well, here it is, guys. Back in his day, well, we, we call them potlucks, all right? And potlucks is where we all what? We all bring food, okay? We all, what, we've all been to potlucks. We don't call them potlucks in church because we don't believe in luck. We believe in blessings. And so we call them pot blessings. But back in this day, if you're taking note, they used to call them love feasts. Love feast. Hey, want to come to a love feast? Now, we have distorted the term love, and so we don't use that anymore because that would be weird, right? Hey, we're having a love feast at our church. Huh? What is that? Well, that's when we all bring food and we have church. Oh, that's a potluck. Yeah, that's culturally, that's how we brought it up. But they were having, but you go, well, what's, what's the problem with, with, with the pot blessing? What's the problem with the love feasts? The problem was, guys, is that Paul read something and, it, and something's, something's changed. Because it's not only the pot blessings, but it's tied in with communion, with the Lord's Supper. And, and Paul's not having this, okay? Paul's not having this. Now, what should be happening in the church, what should be happening is Christians gather together for a love feast, but what we would do is we would connect it with the Lord's Supper. Okay, when you read chapter 11, make sure you distinguish between supper, the pot blessing, and communion, the Lord's Supper. Make sure you distinguish those two, because if you don't, you'll be confused. You'll read 11 going, I don't understand what's going on. I don't know what's happening in this church. Well, what's happening is that they come together for a pot blessing. People would bring in the food, right? And they'd gather for fellowship. And they would say, hi, Tamri, how are you? Good to see you. And we, Sister, how are you? Mel, how are you? And they would just love on each other. And the food would be set there. And then what would happen, guys, is they would read the word after they ate. And they would read the word. And they would worship the Lord. And then they would collect money for the widows and the orphans. This is what we call church. This is what was happening. Okay, that's kind of what's going down. Well, something got Paul upset. What is it? Well, let's see what he says in verse 17. He says, now, in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you've come together, not for the better, but for the worse. What? What did Paul just say? Paul says, guys, I'm not pleased. Something's breaking my heart. He says, I'm getting the picture that when you guys come together for church, that it's bringing out the worst side instead of your best. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? You wake up this morning bright and early. Okay, for the 11 o'clockers a little bit later. So you wake up this morning and you say, bless the Lord. It's going to be a great day. I'm excited. Brushing your teeth, putting on your clothes, getting ready to come to church. And as soon as you get to church, it turns the worst in you. Paul's going, guys, church should be a place where, man, you come together and and you're encouraged and you walk out of here singing a joyful song and you met with God and God touched your heart and you left and you're like, yeah. But he says something in this church, they're coming in and they're, they're turning on each other. Could you imagine? Could you imagine walking through the front door and you're here at church and you've got that scowl on your face? And, and, and Paul's going, guys, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's bringing out the worst side in you, right? And this statement alone, 
it leads us to ask, why, Paul? What's going on? Tell us what's going on, Paul. Why is, why is church bringing out the worst in people? Here's why. Here's his response. Verse 18. He says, for first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. He said, man, I thought we dealt with these divisions before. He said, but there's schisms. There's some schism. And he goes, and you know what? I, I, in part, I believe it. In part, I believe it. But here's what I want you to see. I want you to see real quick before we move on. Can I just show you the heart of Paul? Because that, that phrase, in part, I believe it. He says, I, goes, I, I know you guys are a mess. And there's divisions in you. And church is making you worse than better. He says, but I still love you. It doesn't, it doesn't affect my love for you. And I love his heart. Why? Because here's how we do. You ready? Here's how we do. Somebody rubs us the wrong way. Help me, church. Somebody rubs us or somebody comes in. You know what? I said, I said, God bless you to, uh, I said, God bless you to Haas. And he just looked at me and growled. Well, fine. That's it for Haas. That's it. I'm not inviting Haas to my house. You guys see, you see how we get? This is how we do. Instead of, and Paul's going, listen, I know you guys are a mess. I know your people. And I know you have a lot of baggage. He says, but I still love you guys. That's not going to affect it. In part, I believe it, but that's okay. He says, and I'll tell you why. Look at the next verse. I'm going to tell you why. Look at the next verse. He says, for there must also be fractions. Everybody see that word? Among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Now, how many of us read Paul and go, I have no idea what he just said. Let me tell you what he just said. Paul just said, he goes, listen, I understand that you're going to come together and there's divisions, okay? And in part, I believe it. The church is making you worse. And I'm going to tell you why in just a minute, he says. But he says, there's also fractions, divisions, cliques. He says, and what's happening is that God is allowing these cliques so that we can see who are the true believers and who are not true believers. Say, what? Here's what's going on. Think about this, guys. You understand in the Bible that in the church of God, okay, that there are called wheat and there are called tares. There are people in church that look like Christians, act like Christians, wear Christian t-shirts, listen to Christian music, but they have no relationship with Jesus whatsoever. And, and he says, should we, should we re- root up the tares too? He's like, no, 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 just leave them in there. The, the time is coming. And I believe that the heart of God is going, man, you might be a tear in here. You might be in here where you're going, man, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I show up to church because that's the thing to do. But God wants to get your heart because he wants a real relationship with you. As long as you're in the church and you're hearing the word of God, there's hope. There's hope. So he's leaving the tears in there. But Paul says, now listen, when it comes to your pot blessings, there's going to be, there's going to be some clicks. There's going to be some issues going on. And, and he's doing that on purpose. On purpose. You see, there's going to be sex. There's going to be divisions. There's going to be heresies. There's going to be testings. And what there's going to do is there's going to bring out the truth to the open and confirm it. And confirm it. Wow. Wow. Well, like what? Well, like what? Here's what was happening. Part of that clique, that group, guys... In the love feast, they were coming to church, and they were cliques in the church. 
And what would happen is during the pot blessings, guys, they would eat with their own crowd instead of fellowshipping with the rest of the church. Okay? At some point, they decided, oh, I don't, I'm, oh, I don't know who they are or, or they're poor. Or, and, and so they started creating. And, and, and Paul says, listen, when that happens, God's going to reveal... Is going to reveal who the true believers are. Now, here's some great truths in our life. Okay, let's pull out a truth here. Okay, this is something we can take home. I know that some of us in this room are introverts. Okay, Intro- yep. Man, we'll stand back and we'll watch people before we say it. We feel uncomfortable talking to people. You understand that. You realize your pastor is an introvert. I did not know that. You're always talking to people. You always, listen, I had to learn that. I had to learn that. But, but by nature, I like to sit back and I like to talk. I don't like to talk. I like to just watch. I am not the life of the party. Big shock. Okay? There are people that walk in the room and they light up the room. You know what? I stand in the corner and I just watch people. You ready to go now, honey? Ready to go? It's been five minutes. I'm ready to go. But even when we feel uncomfortable in meeting new people, what the truth we should grasp is that we're all part of the body of Christ. And although you have your clique, although you have your crowd, people you know, people you talk to, when it comes to the, to the, to the fellowship, when it comes to the meal, sit with somebody different. Get to know somebody different. He says, right? Because listen, your crowd loves you. you, you you've got that. But I'm telling you right now, why is this important? Guys, it's so important, and I'll tell you why. Because there are people right now who need you. You see, God has given you a gift. And you go, well, Ben, I just raised my hand. I'm an introvert. You know what your gift is? You listen very well. And sometimes there's those hurting in the body of Christ that Jesus needs an ear. You guys tracking with me? You know what I'm talking about? Because there are those when you start talking to somebody, boy, they've got a story just like yours. Well, let me tell you mine. And you're just like, well, okay, there goes my story. Or if you're talking to somebody, they're thinking of answers to try to help you. I love that. But there are those people, they're rare, and you're, and you're speaking, and they're listening. And you keep talking and they're listening. What a beautiful thing that is. You see, you see guys, the thing about it is that, is that you, God, God has gifted you. He's gifted you to use that gift. And when you come to church, he says, man, your, 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 your tribe, they know your gift. They love you. They're comfortable with you. But I want you to step out of your comfort zone and I want you to go, because I don't want to be, we, we don't want to be part of a clique. Because we're, we're all, I mean, think about this, right? There are those of us that think, when I get to heaven and get my mansion, I want it on the farthest part of heaven, because I don't want to see any other soul at all. God, please. I don't want to talk to any neighbors. That's my mansion. And heaven's like, mm-mm. Mm-mm. You're going to have Mel knocking at your door. Hey, can I borrow a cup of sugar? Hey, you home? Right? You're going to have Mel do that. I'm telling you, he's already told me. He's, he's going to be bugging people in heaven. That's what Mel's going to do. 
Josh is going to be the comedian in heaven. He's going to be making all of us laugh. That's what he's going to do. That's what he's going to do. So what do we do? That's what's going on. But here's the problem, right? Because Paul's thought changes. We come to a transition verse. Notice verse 20. He says, therefore, he says, when you come together in one place, is it not to eat the Lord's Supper? Okay, now remember, look at me. He's equating both. Okay, you have supper. You're having the pot blessing. Let's sit down, right? Let's eat filet mignon. Let's, let's, let's have together. What did you bring? Yeah. He says, but remember, isn't, don't we end up with the Lord's Supper? Oh, yeah, Paul, it's church. It's church. It's church. So where's the problem? Paul says, let me tell you the problem. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat or drink in, or you despise the church of God and the shame to those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I don't praise you. Or my translation, should I praise you in this? No way, Jose. That's what he's saying. No way. I'm not going to praise you in this. Now, you go, Ben, what was the problem? You ready? Drum roll, please. The problem was, guys, is that Paul says, now look, you're supposed to be having church. And at the end of church, you come in for the Lord's Supper, communion. Amen? The problem is, is that some of you wealthier folks, you're coming in. You're not sharing any of your food with the poor, and you're eating way before everybody else. You have no heart for people. You're selfish. You're self-centered. You come to these pot blessings. You come early. You bring in your beautiful Tupperware dish. You set it down. You get your, your click. Hey, come on and eat. You eat before everybody else. Then it's empty, and all that's left for the rest of us is just the crumbs the sovres, the chips that are left, not a whole lot, not a whole lot. Paul's going, how is that, how is that godly? Your well-off people are coming in and you give no regard to the poor. Listen, we're part of the body of Christ. He says, this is the problem. He says, and, and not only that, not only are you bringing your good stuff and not sharing with the poor, some of you are getting drunk. And that blew my mind. Now listen, we've been at church a long time, and I'm pretty sure somebody's been in here drunk one time or another. I'm pretty sure they've come in off the street, hey, is this church? Is this church? And they probably sat here and, and, and slept, right, through the whole message, and then got up and said, amen, and I've never seen them again. I get that, but these are people who are getting drunk outside the fellowship before church. These are people that are like, hey, man, what's going on, hey? And then they come in, they're like, all right, there's church. Lord's Supper coming up. And, and Paul says, really? He says, what are you doing? Oh, don't you guys have a house? Don't you, don't, isn't that where you eat? And I think it would be crazy. I think it'd be crazy. I don't, know, I don't know how that would work here, but can you imagine a potluck? And then people are getting drunk out in the, in the, <laughs> in the cafe. <laughs> I'd be like, what? We, we need some help, man. We need something. And he says, Paul says, listen, guys, if you're hungry, eat at home first. Eat at home first. 
He says, because you come in and your gluttony, your gluttonous and your drunkenness, he says, they're a disgrace to the Lord. And here's why. You ready? If believers do not love one another, how can they partake in the Lord's Supper and be blessed? If you're not like, again, guys, listen, you ready? It's really simple. If your vertical is awesome, okay, then your horizontal is going to be good. If you're loving God, you're going to love people. He's saying, but if you're not loving people because your walk with God isn't where it's supposed to be, how, 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 how's this going to look? I mean, he says, look, you're coming, and you're, you're coming to eat, and how are you going to be blessed? And he says, by the way, I don't praise you for this. I don't praise you. And this was key. And you go, why? Because, guys, the, the, the socially elite at this time, guys, they valued, they loved to be praised. That's what they looked for. And so when Paul looks at them and says, guys, I don't praise you in this, they're like, oh! It was like a black mark on their, on their Right? Are you kidding me? You're kidding me. And I just wonder, right? I just, I just, I mean, think about this, guys. Let me put it into perspective. Next week, we have our Christmas at Calvary, right? It's a pot blessing, okay? We're going to have tacos. We're going to have nachos. We're going to have beans. We're going to have rice. We're going to have chips. We're going to have salsa. We're going to have all kinds of good stuff. It's going to be glorious. But could you imagine, okay, so 10 o'clock, we're all in here, and you've come in, and you've brought your best Man, you've made your best charro beans. You've made your best rice. I mean, this is good. We've got food. Can you imagine if a group of people who who were wealthier than anybody else didn't come in the service for the worship, didn't listen to the message, but was outside eating all the good stuff first? Can you imagine? That's what's happening in the church. And then... And I say, okay, guys, we're going to partake in the Lord's Supper. But first of all, before we have church, let's, let's pray and let's go out there. And, and, let's, and we all walk out there and we're like, well, we can't make nachos because all the chips are gone. Oh, there's no more hamburger meat for the tacos. What's going on? It would be rude. And you go, Ben, what's the point? Let me give you the problem. You ready? The actions of these wealthy believers showed that they didn't value the poor believers in the church. And because they, they didn't value them, their actions didn't, 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 didn't value these poor believers, they damaged the unity and the fellowship of the church. Ooh, that's deep. Why? Because remember... The women with the head covering, they were declaring an action by doing or not doing. Amen? Well, these people were declaring a belief in God by not putting people first. They were declaring a distorted walk with God by their behavior. Why is that key? Oh, Lord, because church, we... I don't ever want anyone to read my life and get a distorted view of God. I mean, think about it. 
I don't want people to look at my life and go, wow. You said you're a Christian. You said you're married to Jesus. Aren't you supposed to, aren't you supposed to help the poor? Why are you eating first? Why did you make, why did you make two pots of, two, two pans of enchiladas? One really, really good that you and your friends ate and one that was just not good. Why did you do that? The church guys forgot to honor God and everything that they did. Remember Paul says, Paul says, in everything you do, whether you eat or drink, he says, do unto the glory of the Lord. And so if I say, hey, next week, bring, you come and you bring your best to the Lord. You bring your best to the Lord. And what happens if you're the last in line and you get up there and there's not a whole lot of food? Praise the Lord. Amen. As long as somebody else ate, because there might be people here next week that need to know Jesus. And because you let them go first, they heard the message, they responded, and now they're going to be eternally saved forever. Well, that's what I did. I just thought I just thought I got the last of it. It doesn't matter. And if you're hungry, eat at your house first. Eat at your house first. So what does Paul do? He says, now, I need to correct this. I need to correct this. Okay, let me tell you, because now you're coming into the Lord's Supper and we've got a chat. He says in verse 23, he says, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Listen to me. I'm going I'm to share something with you, but I need you to stay with me, okay? Verse 24, I want you to highlight it. I want you to highlight it because I'm going to come back to it in just a minute. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now, let me give you the general view of what he's saying. Let me give you the general outline. He's saying this. He's talking about communion. Okay, we've come together and supper. Some of you are distorting God. You're not giving, paying attention to the poor. And then you come in for supper. Let me tell you, God spoke to me because I wasn't there with the, with the 12 disciples with Jesus, but he later taught me. He says, I'm going to give it to you. And he says, now, here's the whole essence of the Lord's Supper. He says, the Lord's Supper reminds us of the cross. We look back at the cross, but he says, we also look forward to his coming. Amen? That's what he's saying. This is the whole point of it, okay? And while the Lord's Supper does look back at what Jesus did on the cross, he also wants us to look forward to the coming of Jesus and the marriage supper of the Lamb. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, I'm not going to do this again until I do it with you in heaven. We're like, amen. Amen. So Paul's trying to tell the church, this is, how, this, is, this is what we should be doing. This is what we should be doing. But here's what I want to show you, okay? So I need my church students, I need my, I need my, 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 my students to put on their thinking caps, okay? Why? Because I want you to look at verse 24 again. He says this, Jesus is speaking, this is what I've learned. He said he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he said, quote, take, eat this, 
my body, which is, what's that word? Broken for you. You guys see that? Broken for you. Do this in remembrance. Now, here's what I, this is why I need my students, okay? Here's where, in some of your manuscripts, in the original, broken was taken out. It was added later. You go, why? Because, remember when Jesus wrote this, the Last Supper, his body hasn't been broken yet. Nor was it broken on the cross. Okay? Not a single bone was broken. So, what did Jesus mean when he said, this is my body which will be broken for you? Okay. Let me give you my opinion. Okay? Let me give you my opinion, because then then I'm going to show you why as we move on the text. I was listening, and, and it really struck me. The body that was broken is actually referenced to the scourging of Jesus. That's where his body was really shredded and broken. Amen? And I don't know if you know this, but in the Roman, here's, it blew my mind. Check this out. Maybe, maybe you go, Pastor, I knew that. I didn't know this. But as, here's the thing. When they tied Jesus up, okay, the only thing that was left after being whipped 39 times was just shredded back, meat, everything, and a pool of blood. That was my Jesus. Okay? I didn't know this, but here's what they did. When the Romans used the cat of nine tails to come across, they would say, if you confessed your sin, they actually pulled back just a little bit. They didn't hit you as hard. So if they went, boom, and you said, oh, blasphemy, or oh, murder, they'd be like, okay, he's confessing his sin. If you didn't confess your sin, if you just, they actually hit you harder to try to get a confession out. That blows my mind. Why? What was Jesus going to confess? What was he going to confess? Boom, I love them. That's not a crime. And they just beat him. Where's that reference? Okay. He's referencing, again, my opinion, Isaiah, right? Chapter 53, remember where it says, by his stripes we're healed? Okay, if you take the verse, a couple of verses up, it says that he bore our transgressions. He bore. What's he talking about? He is talking about, he's talking about physical healing. He's talking about physical healing. You're like, okay. He's talking about both physical and healing. So, so they're looking at this and they go, okay, well, what's the point? I'm going to tell you in just a minute, but I want you to remember that. Put your thinking caps on. Okay, he's referencing what? Isaiah. He's referencing Isaiah. And he says, okay, so this is the purpose of the Lord's Supper, right? The Lord's Supper, guys, he says, when we come in, here's what we got to do. We're looking, there's reverence to it. You've got to take it seriously. We're looking back to the cross and looking forward to his coming. Here's the point. You guys have messed up the supper because it ceased to be a blessing at the church of Corinth. Because they had abused it, which caused judgment, and they were coming to church for worse, not better. So notice what Paul writes. You right? You got your thinking caps on, what I just told you? You got it? It's, it's swirling in there? Look at what he says in verse 27. Therefore, whoever eats of this bread or drinks this cup in an unworthy manner 
will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself so he may eat the bread or drink the cup. What is Paul saying? First thing he says, you guys, listen, when you come, okay, make sure you examine yourself. You need to look within. Examine yourself. Why is that important? That's important because we have to see how we've been behaving before we take communion. It's not saying, it's not, it's, it, what he's not saying, guys, think about this. He's not, he's not saying, man, you need a morbid display of self-checking to see if you're worthy. We're not worthy. But what he says is, will you do an honest appraisal to see as we receive communion, if we're conducting ourselves, that's honoring to the Lord? Why? They weren't honoring the Lord. They were saying, man, those poor people aren't going to eat. Too bad for them. Nanny, nanny, boo-boo. Hey, give me another drink. And then they were coming in to have what? Communion. And Paul says, no, 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 listen, before you take communion, this is how it needs to be done, but you should check your heart. You should check your heart. Guys, when we do communion, we do communion on the first Wednesday of every month. When we do communion, we always give time so that you can check your heart. To give you a time of just, of just reflection and say, Lord, how was my behavior this week? Did I say anything that I shouldn't have said? Because he says, don't eat, in an un, don't eat in an unworthy manner. You go, well, what does that mean exactly? What, is it, what does it mean? Okay, textually, in the context, Paul is writing to the Corinthian Christians, right, to treat the Lord's Supper with reverence and to practice it in a spirit of self-examination. He's going, guys, before you, you know, you've you, you got to make sure that you reverence it. That's an unworthy manner when you're, when you, when you're self-centered and, and, and you're looking and you don't care about people and, and your actions are declaring that, that it's all about you. He's saying, no, that's unworthy. Make sure that you repent of that. But he also says, an unworthy manner is somebody who's not saved. Somebody who's not saved. Okay, so they're coming in. They're going, well, I guess I should do this. And he says, man, somebody's not saved. And then he says, another unworthy, manny, unworthy manner, which is so important, is that we're harboring sin or bitterness against someone. Hurting people hurt people. And a lot of times, guys, that we, we get hurt by somebody we love. And we, and we harbor bitterness. He says, when you come to the table, make sure you look and you're not harboring that bitterness. Let it go. Let it go. I know people have hurt you, but just keep moving forward. Let's keep moving forward. Everybody got your thinking caps on? Look at verse 30. He says, For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Okay? Your, the light should be going on. Why? He says, For if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Okay, let me give you context and I'm going to give you my opinion. Here's the context. He says, there are a lot of people, guys, who don't reverence the communion table. They, they're disobedient. Okay? And he says, because of that, there are a lot of you that are sick and a lot, some of you have died. Some of you died. As a matter of fact, they're, they're even saying, they're even referencing um, Acts chapter um, Acts chapter 5. Do you guys remember Ananias and Sapphira? Do you remember that? Right? Ananias, they sold a piece of land. They kept a part of the proceeds, but they told Peter that they had had all of this, right? So he comes in and Peter's like, 
hey, so did you sell this land for such and such? He goes, yep, such and such. He goes, why did you lie to me? You didn't lie to me. You lied to the Holy Spirit. He says, you're going to die. Boom, he drops dead. Right? The youth group comes, takes him out. Half an hour later, his wife comes in. He says, hey, listen, your husband said that you sold the land for half and half a price. Is that the truth? Oh, yes, dear, it's the truth. Well, same people who buried you or buried your husband are going to bury you. Boom, she dies. Ananias and Sapphira scared the whole church. And so a lot of people reference that going, oh, okay, they didn't, they, part of, I mean, here's what was going, okay? Disobedience, okay, having the love feast coming here, disobedience to the ancient world was often linked to disease and death. So Paul writes, for this reason, many of you are sick, many of you are weak and sick. That, that, that is the context. But let me give you what I learned this week, and maybe you knew this, okay? If Jesus taught Paul, okay, that part of the communion needs to be reverenced, he says, this is my body which is broken for you, and this is my blood. He says, if you misunderstand this, and you don't understand that there's a physical healing going on, he says, this is why you're sick. And this is why you have disease, and this is why you're dying. And I thought, wow, again, my opinion, I'm just sharing my opinion. I just want you to think about this. Because a few years back, I was called to pray for an eight-year-old who had a brain tumor. And I remember going and saying, Lord, I don't want to go, please. I don't want to see a kid, please, Lord, Lord, please, I don't want to go. Well, I ended up going, and I got to know this family pretty well. And one day, they called me over, and they said, Pastor, can we have communion? We believe that in communion, there's healing. And I thought, I've never heard that. I've never. And I said, well, we can have communion, but I don't. I mean, this is what I know of communion. And so we went over, and, and they were adamant about having communion because of healing. And I thought, this is weird. Okay. So we had communion, and God graciously, in his, in his sovereignty, chose not to heal him that way physically, but took him home a couple of years later. But I, I realized where they got it from. And I thought, wow. We do, and we can't ask for physical healing. I wonder if it's tied in to the reverence and obedience to communion. I wonder. Now you're going to go home and go, huh. Why? Because the word broken wasn't in the... I mean, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of where we are. So Paul finishes this way. He says, Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, he says, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And he says, and the rest, he goes, I'm going to sit in order when I come. And that's where he leaves it, right there. That's where he leaves it. Now, as we close, as we close the Bible study, What's the point of chapter 11? What's the point, guys? Paul is trying to tell us the point of chapter 11 is really simple. It's about people. And, it, and what he's saying is, he goes, okay, here's the point. You ready? The Lord wants us to take people seriously. The poor people, we love people. God loves people. Can I get an amen on that? But he also wants to take our worship of him seriously. And I don't mean worship, I mean the worship of who he is and the communion and what he's done 
He wants us to realize, guys, that when we give, we give for everybody. That pot blessings are to bless. Pot blessings are to bless everyone. And he says, and when it comes to the Lord's Supper, it's still very, very, very important, and we must take it seriously. Guys, church should be a place where life is good, not bad. Church should not be the place where, where it brings out the, the, the bad in us. It should bring out the good in us. What would our world look like, church, if, if we had the heart of God? What would, our, what would your world look like if you said, listen, people matter. And I know people are people. And listen, I know people are messy. Why are people messy? Because I'm messy. I know people are messed up, broken, hurting. I know that. I know my city is broken. But I wonder what my life would look like if I said, listen, I'm not going to judge that. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the one that just that makes a difference. What would your life look like if you decided to give a little more this year than receive? What would your life look like if you said, listen, I'm going to take 50 bucks and I'm going to buy somebody groceries? Ask the Lord. He'll show you how. But what you'll do is you'll begin to develop the heart of God. And how many of us go home and open our fridge and just weep because God has blessed us so much? We go to the grocery store and we just, because he's blessed us, amen. Nothing wrong with that. We have food and, and we got that. But how many people today are going, oh, oh dear. We want to be those people. We want to be the people that, that our actions Our actions tell others that there's a God who loves you and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And some of that is is giving money, some of that is buying groceries, and some of that is listening, and some of that is just hugging. Let's be those people. Father, we thank you for your word today and the truth in your word. We love you. We can't wait for what you have for us this week, God. God, show us. Show us those that need help. Show us those that we're willing to to give to, Lord. Let us buy a cup of coffee in the name of Jesus. Let us buy groceries for a, a single mom. Let us give sacrificially, Lord. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you, or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone at 806 799 2227 or send an email 
to calvarylubbock at hotmail.com. Again, that phone number is 806-799-2227. Also, if you want to partner with us financially to take the gospel to West Texas and the world, please click on the Donate button on calvarychapellubbock.org. Thanks for listening to the podcast. May God richly bless you.